This new year, LifeKit wants to help you succeed because everyone needs a little help being human. It can seem so overwhelming. You're not alone. Who can I commit to being? If you want to do something, then just do it. Just take that first step. Great advice every week. Listen to LifeKit from NPR. My name is Patricia Engel, and my new book is The Faraway World, a collection of short stories. Patricia Engel's new short story collection is titled The Faraway World, a phrase that holds a personal and touching connection to her family history. Ten stories connected by common themes, the collection explores desire, yearning, and the hope that today will be better than the day before. I recently spoke with Engel about the stories, about who tells the stories, and about how a collection comes together. I'm Beth Golay from KMUW Studios, part of the NPR Podcast Network. This is Marginalia. So The Faraway World is a collection of 10 stories that seem to be connected by common themes. Do you have like an elevator pitch for the collection? Maybe we can tell readers what connects the stories? Yeah, I would say, you know, the stories were written over 10 or so years. So certainly I wasn't thinking about direct connections, but looking back on them, they're all really linked by desire and yearning. The thing that gets us all out of bed each day is hoping that today is going to be better than the day before, wanting to um, create relationships that improve your circumstances, and that sense of energy and movement that just keeps us all going. You know, I don't get to visit with many authors about story collections because sometimes it's difficult to talk about a collection of stories because, like we mentioned, there are 10 of them here. But, you know, when I do visit with authors, a lot of times the title of the collection is derived from one of the stories, or sometimes it's a title shared with one of the stories. But that's not the case with The Faraway World. Can you talk to me about the title choice and its meaning? Yeah, thank you for asking. It's it's actually a kind of a special story. I had written all these stories, and uh, they didn't quite have a title. I probably would have ended up using one of the titles of the stories, like you said, usually happens with a story collection. But recently, we came across some photographs that belonged to my grandfather, who um, immigrated. Well, he didn't immigrate. He he left for a job from Austria to Colombia, where the rest of my family is now from. And in his objects, you know, uh, that meant something to him that he saved, there was a photograph of his parents. His his mother had died when he was a child of of her grave and of his grandparents. And on the back, he had written a goodbye to them. And he he said, you know, your beloved son is leaving today for the faraway world. And it was in German. We had it translated. And so, you know, that just always stuck with me, the sense of the faraway world as it uh, relates to my family's story. And of course, it relates to so many family stories and to so many people in ways large and small, just um, our sense of, of seeking of whatever motivates us, of just looking beyond our current world and our current reality. You know, so many of the stories, they, you know, some were centered in Colombia or or Cuba or Miami or even other places in the States, but it still felt international because, you know, somebody was visiting from Madrid and they were supposed to be in London, yet they ended up in New York. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that international feeling. But at the same time, you know, the stories, it seemed like they were often choosing family over immigration and staying put or or choosing to return to Cuba because they couldn't stand the thought of dying somewhere else or returning to Colombia because 
quote, this country did not deliver on its promises, referring to the United States. And some families were separated by the American experiment. So, you know, there were a couple of different stories, but your words just seem to shout yes to me. Like in Guapa, this quote, the first years in New York, he thought, just like we all do when we arrive, that he would eventually go back once he had something saved. But now he's been here long enough to know there's no returning. Once you cross over that ocean and those borders, they cross over you. And then in La Ruta, there was a quote, life is hard and miserable no matter where you live. Can you talk to me about maybe about place, maybe about especially that last quote that it doesn't exactly matter where you live, you're going to run into hardships. And I've just butchered this whole question. So I'm just going to let you talk. <laughs> well, isn't that old saying, no, no matter where you go, there you are. Um, sometimes we focus on geography so much that we don't really see that we're carrying ourselves through this movement and this journey. And the journey is really within. And talking about something like immigration, I've always tried to explore the nuances with it because sometimes what's most represented is this one-sided story uh, and one directional story of just people leaving a place and going somewhere new and that sort of that. And in fact, there's a lot of looking backward and wondering if you made the right choice. And there are a lot of people who simply would never leave their homeland. You know, I, even if I asked you, would you want to just pick up and leave everything you knew, your country, your family, uh, everything you care about and start over somewhere else? You know, that'd be, you know, a tall order for most people. So most people make this choice um, very reluctantly or weighing a lot of um, heavy things. But either way, um, I'm always interested in a journey that's not only physical, geographic, has to do with landscape and the natural world, but also the internal journey. And that's what I try to explore in these stories. Can you talk to me about perspective? You know, when I begin a story, I'm never quite sure who's telling the story. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly their gender or their lens. And, and that's part of the fun is figuring out who is doing the talking. And sometimes your stories, you know, they were being told to the reader, but sometimes it was like one character to another. How do you decide, you know, the best voice or way to tell a story? Well, I sit with the story for a long time before I start to write it to the point where the, the voice becomes alive in such a way that I can't ignore it. And it's really commanding the story and telling me how to write it. I love the intimacy of the first person voice of a character, you know, um, being vulnerable and sharing something about their inner world. But sometimes, you know, a character needs to open up to somebody else. As you mentioned, there's one story in particular where there's um, Libelula, where there's one character speaking directly to another one, and you sort of meet them both and explore their relationship in New York through the world of that story. And I wrote it that way because I couldn't think there was no other way to write it. That's that's really it's the world of these two women, and everyone else is sort of secondary to it. So sometimes the architecture of a story down to the voice really comes down to a character's DNA. And as you sit with it, before the actual writing begins to happen, it tells you what it needs to be. As I was reading, and, you know, you would always kind of reveal the, the character's ages. And it, maybe I was just imagining this, but it felt like many of the women in your stories were in their 40s. Is that right? You know, I, I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I wrote these stories over the past 10 or 12 years. And certainly I wasn't thinking about that. What I'm always thinking about is just the world of characters and their relationships and their communities, individuals coming up 
you know, against the friction of communal pressures, um, social pressures, and negotiating their own desires for themselves, their own sense of personal freedom and sovereignty. Those are the lines that really fascinate me. So I've never thought about it in terms of age. And help me with the pronunciation of your first book. Is it Vida? Vida, yeah. And was that a story collection? Yeah, Vida was sort of unusual in that it was never described as specifically as a novel or as a story collection. It was really a novel written in stories, but different people have received it in different ways. So this is maybe, I guess, your first official collection of stories then. Do you have a preference, stories over novels? Because you do have three specific published novels as well. Yeah, Vida um, follows one character over the course of, you know, three decades or so and dives into specific stories of one, a singular character's life. The Faraway World explores different characters and different worlds um, in every single story. So I do love the diversity of that, the range that you can have and uh, putting stories together in that way, still find unifying threads, but feeling like it's a new experience every single time. I do write novels. It's not that it's just Paris, the veins of the ocean, and most recently Infinite Country, but stories hold a special place in my heart as both a reader and a writer. I love to write them, but I also love to read them. I love the intensity uh, that you can get in a short space of time and you can really have an immersive experience and really get the full experience of almost a novel in a, a shorter um, span. Um, I think there's something beautiful and magical about that. It's almost like those special chance encounters that you have a couple times in your life that stay with you. To me, that's what a short story is or um, should try to be. But of course, a novel is special in, in that it lasts and lingers and, and it can really change you if you let it. For these 10 stories, when you compile a collection of stories like this, who decides what stories are included? You know, what doesn't make the cut? I'm assuming you have many more stories out there that are not in this collection. Um, who decides the order that they're placed? And, and is that order the order that, that readers should read the collection? In the case of this book, I was the one who decided what was included, and I was the one who decided the order that they're in. And you are right, there are a lot of stories that are written that are not included, and there's not really a formula or a method to doing this. It's very intuitive, at least it is for me. Writing a lot of stories, you start to get a sense which ones are in conversation with one another, how they resonate and how uh, they echo. And it's almost, you know, in, in the old days when we'd have like mixtapes and things like that and <laughs> albums. Um, the Order of Stories is also creating an experience. As you know, there are people who listen to albums and just fast forward to other songs. And that's fine, too. You know, the the, the experience becomes that of the beholder. Um, however, for those that want to consume a book from beginning to end, there is a reward in that in the journey that the writer has assembled for you, uh, the map, the, you know, experiential map that is assembled by their order. So if you're willing to go on that ride, that's great too. But certainly, of course, there's people who like reading out of order and, and that must have its own payoff too. Do you have a favorite story in the collection? You know, I, I have favorites for different reasons, um, but one that is really close to my heart that was also the first one that I wrote out of this collection is Fausto, which is the second story about two young sweethearts. All they want is to save money so they can get married and have kind of the, the type of wedding that people will be impressed by in their community. And in order to do that, they get swept up in, in all sorts of uh, trouble, <laughs> criminal trouble, I, I should say. You know, when I visit with writers about their short story collections, I'm always a bit surprised to learn that the writers never seem 
they never quite consider them finished. Like one might appear in the Atlantic, but then it, when it's in the best American short stories, it might not be the same. Or I've read short stories that have been turned into book chapters. You know, some are even fleshed out into, you know, full-blown novels. Do any of these stories or characters nag at you wanting to be more? That does happen. That happened with a, a short story that I wrote many, many years ago called The Bridge, which was published by The Atlantic, incidentally. And, but that story, I always felt that there was more to it. And sure enough, many years later, I wrote a novel that emerged from that story. And that story became its first chapter. It was the novel, The Veins of the Ocean. Um, for these stories so far, I have felt that they, you know, they are already in their final, their final form. <laughs> they will stay here. And, uh, and that's okay, too. I, I love that about them. I belong to a short story group. We meet every two weeks and we read a story beforehand and then we get on Zoom and we just dissect the story. Which story should we read? First of all, I want to say I love that idea of a, <laughs> of a short story group. And I, I think that is amazing. I want to I want to do that. I've never been in a book club, but I think I could oh. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's it's amazing. <laughs> Well, so uh, thank you for asking me for a recommendation. I would say the story Libelula is the newest story of this collection, and it was just published by uh, Oprah Daily. So that's an easy one to get your hands on as well, um, because it's online. And we mentioned it before. That's a story of one character um, speaking to another. It's a story of... um, of a woman who hires a maid and the sort of intimate yet complicated relationship that emerges from that. And maybe another story, if you're into something that's a bit more along the lines of mystery, but also has some family um, complications, is the first story, Aida, which was also published early on in the Best American Mystery Stories. And that is a story about um, two twin sisters and one of them disappears. And it's about how the disappearance of that daughter weighs on the family, pulls them apart in different ways, the hope that they have for her being found, and then how the family just is hanged by a thread, hoping that she comes back. And and, uh, that's a story that's special to me as well. The collection is The Faraway World. Patricia Engel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it so much, Beth. That was Patricia Engel, author of the collection of stories, The Far Away World, which was published by Avid Reader Press. Marginalia was produced at KMUW Wichita and is part of the NPR Podcast Network. Our engineers are Mark Statzer and Torin Anderson. Our editors are Luann Stevens and Haley Krausen. Our producer is Haley Krausen. And our marketing assistant is Carly Cooper. This is Marginalia, and for KMUW, I'm Beth Golay.